morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above us today. And it's Friday, so that means we're also talking about the weekend. And of course, the biggest news of the weekend, hands down, is the lunar eclipse, which occurs tomorrow afternoon for you on the East Coast. Well, actually, afternoon for us as well on the West Coast, 124 for us and 424 for those of you on the East Coast. Unfortunately, that means it's daylight and we won't be able to see the lunar eclipse. Oh, well, we got to see the solar eclipse, so I'm happy about that. Uh, except I didn't actually see it because it was cloudy, <laughs> but I knew it was happening. Likewise, we all know that the partial eclipse is happening tomorrow. And even though you may not be able to see it, you will be able to intuit how it is impacting you. So this morning, everybody is up and at them early. I saw, uh, I saw Natasha in here this morning. It's good to have you with us, Natasha. Uh, Tom Wright, he says, happy day and happy eclipse. I love it. Take a look at yourself. I'm thinking that's a song. Uh, Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel, good morning to you and happy partial lunar eclipse. And Pam Zaruba, hello to you. We are, uh, and Terry, I see you out there too listening. Um, today we are going to really kind of look at this uh, lunar eclipse. And there's a really good reason why we want to look at it. And it's because it's really the last one in a series that began approximately two years ago, 18 and a half months to two years ago. Actually, two years ago, if you think about the first one as we shifted from um, the Gemini uh, and Sagittarius eclipses, the first one happened two years ago across Taurus and Scorpio. And today or tomorrow's eclipse will be the last one across Taurus and Scorpio. So it's an interesting time to be sure because every eclipse series focuses our energy on something specific and specifically across the axis in which the signs are located. So um, it has been for the last 18 and a half to two years, 18 months to two years, it's been across Taurus and Scorpio. So it brings up different issues around those two signs. And now, of course, they've shifted to be a series across Libra and Aries. And so right now what we're doing with the partial lunar eclipse is completing the things that have been transforming in our lives at the time uh, we were having eclipses across Taurus and Scorpio, and then allowing us to dive fully next season of the eclipses, which will be in April, uh, to the new signs of Libra and Aries. So we always have this sort of book end and book beginning, like the two, the book ends are um, what kind of prepare us for the cycle in that set of signs and, <clears throat> excuse me, then closing out the cycle of that same sign. So we're in the closing out cycle of Scorpio and Taurus. But before we get there, we're going to talk about this morning's moon in the sign of Aries and in an exact conjunction at this moment with Chiron in our charts. So it is always interesting when the moon moves through Aries because Aries is a sign that is ruled by Mars. 
it is a sign that brings some volatility to our emotions because the moon represents our emotions our instincts and our moods and when it transits through the sign of aries we may feel more impulsive <laughs> energetic and adventurous i certainly was feeling a dose of that this morning and also feeling of course some some uh something under all of that it's hard to describe because i didn't realize what was going on with the energies until I really looked at the chart for the morning and saw the moon in the conjunction to Chiron. So there's something at once wounding, but also healing in the energy of the day. And that's going to play out differently for every one of you, right? I can't tell you, oh, it's going to be a stab of nostalgia. Uh, it is going to be anger erupting volatilely out from you. Uh, it's going to be energetically possible for you to get a lot done today because it's all going to depend on how this is taking place in your own chart. Now, for those of you who know your astrology chart, look to where Aries is in the chart. And Aries as a symbol, if I can highlight, I'll circle it because it's darker that way. Uh, this is what Aries looks like in a chart. If you need to know the symbol, right? It looks like ram's horns right? Aries, the ram, ram's horns. And right there, you see the moon and Chiron in that conjunction and uh, Eris and the north node not far ahead. So the moon today hitting both Chiron and late in the day hitting Eris and the north node. Now that might bridge into tomorrow as well uh, because the sun, or excuse me, the moon doesn't move into uh, the sign of Taurus, I mean, yeah, and Taurus until, well, 4.45 a.m. So likely it's going to happen late in the day today. And in that case, what you'll have is this potential of using some very distinctly feminine energy, the energy of Eris. And she's a bit of a warrior goddess. She is Mars's twin sister, right? But in the feminine. So the way that she goes about conflict or action is a little different than the way Mars. Mars comes straight at you with a lot of aggression um, and Eris comes at you, but with a little more finesse, a little more ability to um, maintain some spiritual connection. But in her shadow, oh my gosh, she can be the vengeful goddess of war. So who knows how that's going to play out exactly. Now, if this chart here of the moment was a person, it would be playing out in the seventh house. The seventh house is the house of marriage and relationships. So I would uh, kind of tell you, advise you to be wise about how you choose to express emotion in your closest relationships, if that was um, you in this chart. Now, of course, that wisdom holds true for all of us, right? We, we should be wise about how we use our energy, wise about how we use our words. We don't want to use them as swords, uh, as a verbal gunslinger. We really want to make sure that when we are feeling, if we are feeling a lot of emotional energy, that we're not blasting it out there at the people that we love, right? We want to be able to do, we want to feel the feeling, sure. Um, but we don't want to take those feelings, package them up, and then throw them out at someone else in our lives. But we also don't necessarily want to turn passive aggressive 
and start the blame, shame, uh, vindictiveness uh, against ourselves, right? We want to be able to be smart about how we use any of these emotions that uh, might be um, moving through us in our lives at this time. Now, it's a fire sign, Aries is, and so we have the action of passion. We have the ability to initiate new things, Aries being the first sign of the zodiac. And it can be a good time then to start a new project, to express your feelings in positive ways, or to try something new. However, you got to be careful not to act too impulsively or rashly, right? You don't want to just jump in feet first without having kind of taken the lay of the land first. Um, but we also don't want to act selfishly, right? All for me, me, me. So it's a time for us for today and into tomorrow morning, a time to be patient. The opposite being impatience. Aries can be impatient. We don't want to be competitive. Right? We want to be able to be in our own power and our own authenticity and with our own unique authority. And we also want to be careful of being confrontational. Right, Those confrontational energies can lead us to uh, create problems in our relationships. Right, That's not what this is about. But on the other hand, as with all of these planets that are moving through Aries right now, and that's the moon, Chiron, Eris, and the North Node, there's a valuable lesson that we are being taught during this period of time. And that is all about knowing yourself and confronting any issues within yourself that are holding you in conflict, that are holding you to be uh, not in your own power. If you remember back when the North Node was first moving into the sign of Aries, we talked about how the energy of Aries is about I am, right? It is very powerfully me. And indeed, it's a time for us to really put our own good selves forward and do what's good for us personally and do what's right for us personally. And then take a minute and allow the other people in your life to talk about or to behave in a way that's right for them, right? It's very clear that this is what this energy is about. And then where the crossroad or boundary is between you and me, we can work a compromise perhaps, but we can't really make a positive compromise if either one of us is giving ourselves away or if either one of us doesn't know our own value and worth. So it's very tricky at the moment because we walk that fine line of self-centeredness, which is a good thing, versus being selfish or codependent, giving it all away, right? We have to walk that fine line. So the energy here in with the moon moving through Aries reminding us about all of that. We need to balance things, right? The opposite sign of Aries is Libra. So the opposite sign is always pulled into the play. Even if it's even if the planet isn't moving through that sign, the energy of the other signs come in. And that means balance, right? Libra at the other end is balance and harmonizing, equilibrium, equality, those type of things. So we need to balance our enthusiasm and our excitement with caution. We also want to temper our words with diplomacy. So walking that fine line here 
for the next couple of days. Now, uh, the moon here is in Mars territory. So we also want to watch out besides confrontation and conflict. We also want to watch out for accidents. It is a time for us to stay focused in the now so that we don't trip over that uh, limb on the ground that we didn't see because we were pie in the sky thinking or, you know, mind wandering off to some other land. So it's a very good time to stay very aware. If you're driving on the road, in particular, Mars rules metal, your cars are mostly metal, that you are aware of what is going on all around you. Not because I think you're going to get into an accident or have a fall or take a spill. It is that it's prudent for us to stay mm, aware and focused during this particular time. All right. I hope all that that makes sense for everybody. Uh, if you guys have questions, let me know. Good morning, Amy and Joan Durchie. It's good to see you. And uh, Tara Messner says, the full moon is zapping my energy level. Going to take it real easy this weekend. Happy Friday, everybody. Yeah, exactly, Tara. There may be other reasons in your chart. It would, you know, really... Uh, do you good to understand how your whole chart works together because this energy isn't one-off energy, right? It, it's not happening in a vacuum. It's not like, oh, surprise, today's a partial lunar eclipse and you're going to feel zapped. There's likely some other um, uh, interactions between planets in your chart that are leading you to this, okay? We might also look at your human design uh, chart in this case because perhaps you are a type that doesn't have access to the sacral or sustainable life force energy, in which case, if you've been working hard or doing a lot, you may have inadvertently burned yourself out somewhat and are feeling the effects of that. There's sort of rubber band effect, right? I put out all this energy, but when I'm done, boom, it snaps back. And now I'm tired. I'm wrung out. I need rest. So follow your body's intuition at this point and do what is best for you. Um, now we have Christine Buckingham this morning. Hello to you, Corey. Hello to you, Asa. Good to see you. And uh, uh, Tara says, such a fine line. Amy D already experiencing that this morning. Nothing serious, just little things, right? Yeah. And again, it all depends. It, she's speaking, of course, about this Aries uh, moon. So wherever Aries is in your chart, that's where you want to be where. So mine is up at the 10th house of career and profession. So today would not be a day to treat myself and my work with any kind of impatience or with any kind of uh, impulsiveness, right? So I would walk a fine line in that respect. Maybe if it's in your first house, then you have to watch how you are personally engaging in the world um, so that you aren't... Uh, putting your worst foot forward instead of your best foot forward, right? So in different places in your chart, it works in different ways. Okay. Now, as we move into early tomorrow, the moon transitions into the sign of Taurus and then prepares for the partial lunar eclipse. Now, I have a picture this morning I want to share for you of uh, the path of the eclipse so that you'll understand uh, where all of that is happening. 
boom, everybody in the moment here should be seeing this kind of a map. What you'll notice is this area here, the United States and uh, Central America and South America, even into Antarctica, you're missing the lunar eclipse because it's daylight. And at a full moon, the moon and the sun are in exact opposition to one another. So that means the moon can't rise until the sun sets. So if your eclipse time is 1.24 in the afternoon, there's no way that you're going to see that eclipse. But for those of you in Europe and uh, Asia, most of Asia and Africa, and a little bit of Western Australia, you will be able to see the eclipse. Once you get into Eastern Australia over here, where Sydney, where the bulk of the population is, you all won't see it because it's happening at 7.24 a.m. for you on Sunday morning. So the sun will already have risen and the moon already set, so you won't see it. But if you are in Europe, for sure you're going to see it, Asia and Africa you guys will be able to visualize this eclipse. And where you see the darkest blue, this is where you see the full effect of the eclipse. And as it moves out into these bands of lighter blue, it's where you see less and less of the eclipse because right here, for example, it would just be barely dark, right? So you're not gonna see the whole thing. All right, so I like to show those maps because it gives you an idea of where it's visible, but just because it isn't visible in your hood does not mean that it is not impacting you because you are more than where you live, right? So yes, I live on the west coast of the United States. I am not going to see this eclipse. My eyes will not be able to see it, but energetically, I am still tapped into this eclipse right because we all are energy beings these planets are archetypal energies that are sort of imprinting upon us as we walk our daily lives through the planet so what is it that we are being imprinted with or tasked with at this time right well we can look at what the moon's meaning in taurus is for some guidance and we can look back over the previous two years of eclipses occurring across Taurus and Scorpio uh, to give us an idea of what is going on. So first of all, the transiting moon in Taurus, we'll start there. It brings up a time for us to enjoy the pleasures of life, the physical being in the on the planet. So when I think about this, I think about the appreciation of and the beauty of nature, of uh, things that we've built in our lives. I, I had an opportunity last night to kind of preview this as I was sitting at uh, my grandson's final high school football game. And I was thinking back to how, you know, I, I mean, I went back as far as his birth and how clear that day was that he, when he was born and all of the things that have come since then, right? And I had a real appreciation of the timeline right, of the physical progress of this young man through his life and how he is at this culmination point of his high school career, at least as it relates to sports. And he's being, um, you know, uh, brought to the attention of lots of different colleges at this point in time. So you have pride in this appreciation of this physical world and how we can walk through this world. Now, Taurus is an earth sign. And because it's an earth sign, it brings us into valuing stability, to valuing comfort and security, right? It is a sign of 
earth, feet on the ground. Now, the moon in Taurus then can help us feel more grounded, more calm, more relaxed, uh, but it can also inspire us to indulge our senses, our five senses, five senses, the physical senses, not the psi power, but our physical senses. And we can do that through eating delicious foods, uh, through listening to wonderfully wonderful music, beautiful, soothing sounds, or pampering ourselves, maybe get a massage or lighting some candles in your house and letting that beautiful aroma permeate you because all of those things go to our physical senses. Now, the moon in Taurus is also a good time to work on projects, especially if they require patience or some kind of persistence and endurance uh, or have to be approached in a practical, hands-on way because the moon in Taurus supports that, right? It can help us also to attract more abundance and prosperity into our lives because Taurus is a money sign. It rules how are it the economy, the banking system in the bigger, but also your own personal finances in the smaller. And your own personal finances are also based on your value, your value and worth, how worthy you are or how worthy you see yourself as uh, being able to attract resources to you. The moon is also favorable time for romance. This is ruled by Venus our fair-weathered love goddess, right? And it can increase our desire for affection and just the camaraderie of being together with people that you love. But like any sign, there are always the pitfalls, right? The opposite expression in Taurus uh, would be the stubbornness, right? That getting it is a stable and secure sign, right? Or that's what they're searching for. And it can get fixed in a specific rut or a specific condition and be unable to or unwilling to change. So we have to watch that stubborn streak. We have to watch being possessive, which is a tribute that's coming into Taurus from its opposite sign of Scorpio. And the other thing that can happen in Taurus energy, which I I, I see periodically with uh, Taurians and Taurus in my own chart where uh, it, laziness can become a part of the picture, right? It's all good. Why do I need to make it better? Um, it's doing great. Why make a change? Why should I do anything, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But that can lead us to just complacency and laziness, and those can be Taurus negative uh, sign, uh, qualities. And Taurus energy can also make us resistant to change um, or reluctant to try new things. So we come out of this Aries moon today with this ability to start something new and try new things and we go plop into Taurus energy, which kind of stays the course. So again, balancing, but in this case, balancing our need for stability and security and practicality with some flexibility and openness, right? Being open to trying new things, being open to doing things in a different way. So now, hopefully you have an understanding of the moon in Taurus, right? Now we can go into the partial eclipse and talk about that and how it impacts us. So the lunar eclipse occurs at 1.24 p.m., West Coast time. That'll be 4.24 uh, p.m. for those of you on the East Coast of the U.S. and 9.24 p.m. for those of you on the uh, uh, 
uh, great, what is that, universal time, um, used to be Greenwich Mean Time, GMT, UTC time, and, you know, later as you go further east uh, into Europe and into Asia. So a lunar eclipse, of course, is a powerful full moon. And this one is more powerful, made more powerful, even though it's only partial, um, because it is the last one of a series and it's a, a series or a cycle of transformation that we have been going through in the last two years specifically around resources and power and wealth authority self-worth perhaps values and your value and your worth so the eclipse that is occurring tomorrow is an invitation for us to reflect upon what we have gained and what we have lost over these last two years, right? And it, it is almost an open invitation for us to look at what we still hold dear to ourselves, what we need to let go of that we have yet to let go of. And it challenges us to balance our emotional needs with our practical realities. So again, because we have a full moon, right? It's, it is the opposition, the tension of opposites here. And the best way to deal with the tension of opposites is by coming into the middle where we can find balance or where we can find, you know, some form of harmony and, uh, you know, stay clear of the, you know, um, extreme expressions of either end. So we want to find harmony between our inner and our outer worlds. We want to find harmony between ourselves and others. Uh, we want to find harmony between all of those different aspects of the uh, the astrology wheel. Maybe harmony between family and career, uh, or home and career. Uh, maybe between myself and other, uh, across the first and the seventh. Between my inner unconsciousness and my outer consciousness. My inner health and my physical health. Lots of different balancing acts that we have been moving through over these last two years. And again, I call your attention to your own personal astrology chart because that is where you're going to see where this balancing act has been happening in your own life based on the houses, two, right? One for Taurus and one for Scorpio that this has been happening in. <clears throat> so, if you can think about the things that have been changing in your life and now is this final opportunity for you to bring it all to peace, to bring it all to rest or bring it all into this balance. Now, a lunar eclipse occurs when the earth casts a shadow on the full moon and it kind of creates this darkening effect. The shadow, right, darkens um, the earth and that or darkens the moon in this case, and that can reveal hidden aspects of ourselves and our situations. And this is particularly interesting because we have both, in this case, the light of the moon, because the moon isn't being completely shadowed by the earth, and we'll still have the reflection of the sun, right, in the face of the moon. So the moon representing our feelings and our instincts and our emotions and our moods, the sun representing our identity, our ego, our purpose for being here. When these two are in opposition, we can experience tension and conflict in our lives, or we can 
have a moment where an aha takes place, like an illumination, like someone turns on the light bulb. We see our relationships or our situation in a different way, right? So that is so potentially possible here at this time. Now, the moon, remember a few weeks back, we talked about the different ways that planets can show up in a sign. It can be exalted, meaning it is in its heaven, right? It can be in its power, meaning it is in a sign it rules. It can be in detriment or it can be in fall. And de detriment and fall both describe places where that planet isn't comfortable in that particular sign. Well, the moon is exalted in Taurus meaning it's very comfortable and it's very powerful in its earthiness. It can really be impactful for us. Now, because this is a sign, Taurus is anyway, of stability, security, comfort, pleasure, in it, it values the tangible things in our lives. If I can see it, taste it, feel it, touch it, smell it, I'm missing one, hear it, it exists right? It's got those five sense type things. So it really brings us into the energies of what is earthy or what is practical. And in this case, you know, you are possibly being asked to look at where have you been giving your loyalty to? Is it a person? Is it a job? Is it a, a place? What, what's a situation? And is it appropriate? Appropriate loyalty? right? As opposed to inappropriate loyalty. Where have you the need to apply more patience in your life? So where have I been impatiently doing things that um, are not serving me? And or on the opposite side of patience, where have I been stuck and unable to make any movement in my life? Where have I been holding on like teeth and nail holding on to something? whose time has come to be released. A full moon, time for release, right? Letting it go. Stopping the resistance to change by just saying, okay, I give, I give in, right? I'm, I, I can no longer, I surrender is another way we can look at this, right? I can no longer hold on to this old stuff. I just surrender, show me the way. And because the moon is exalted here, it becomes a sort of easy thing for us to, to do. For most people, right? For most people. Now, the sun is in Scorpio, the opposite sign of Taurus. And as we talked to the other day, Scorpio is a sign of transformation, of intensity, of mystery, of power, that intense nature of um, the unseen realm, right, coming up for us. It is a sign that the sun here lighting the way to uncover secrets or hidden truths behind things that we haven't seen before, um, going deeper, not just the superficial or the surface of something, but kind of lifting up the carpet and looking underneath and seeing what's there. Um, and purging, purging what no longer serves your growth, right? Again, the full moon is an opposition between the sun and the earth. And even though the moon is the one being eclipsed, you still got to deal with the sun in Scorpio, right? It's an opposition. They both are holding a lot of power. Scorpio is passionate and loyal. It's another sign of loyalness, resourcefulness, and it can persevere through a lot of, of stuff, right? It can, it can endure. It has endurance power, but it can also be secretive. It can also be where we have 
attempted to control either ourselves or others or a situation. And of course, that's getting upended during this eclipse as well. And it can be a sign where we have to contend with, are we expressing our passions in the world or are we holding ourselves back from it? Am I afraid that people won't accept me? If Am I afraid that I don't know enough yet? Or am I afraid that the last time I did something like this, it blew up in my face? So now for sure, I'm not going to do it because it might blow up in my face. So we have, so we have a lot to look at in our, our lives. And again, because this is the final of the series, this is the time for us to integrate everything that we've learned during these past two years. And if we haven't integrated it yet, it's an opportunity for us to do so. Am I living in alignment with my values? Have I become so afraid of failure that I have dug my heels in and I refuse to change? Uh, am I so passionate about something that I have um, just, you know, put so much energy into it that now nothing's happened with it. So what do I do with that? So lots of different things that can be coming up for us. So the eclipse is actually helping us to find the balance between these two themes, right? The theme of this intense passion of Scorpio and the stability and practicality of Taurus. How can we enjoy um, the fruits and the benefits of everything that we've worked toward, but without becoming so attached to it or complacent about it, right? Um, how can we embrace change and depth of meaning? rather than just superficiality? How can we embrace a sense of stability and security without being fearful that we might lose that? You know, interestingly enough, there's a lot of fear of death that comes up across this axis, right? Scorpio is the natural ruler of the eighth house in a astrology chart. The eighth house is called sex, death, and transformation, essentially. So there's this sometimes this fear that comes up, but it's underneath everything, this fear that we're going to die, um, that we might die and no one will have noticed that we lived. Um, lots of different uh, things around death possibly coming up. Um, so, you know, in a way we're looking at um, all of those those things and trying to find a harmony in all of it, releasing the fear, but not becoming unrealistic in how we live our lives, right? So uh, how can we share our resources more appropriately? How can we share our power with others and without compromising our values or our self-worth? In other words, because this is an opposition, we also bring in this energy of duality interesting because in the Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology uh, or calendar, the eclipse is occurring on two listening to the energy of duality, right? We don't have warm if we don't have hot and cold, right? So we've got to have both hot and cold in order to get warm. We don't feel warm if we don't have both, right? If you only had one or the other, you have one or the other, not warm right? So here we also get to hold the tension of opposites. It's like everything symbolically right now is holding this tension of opposites, talking about duality. So 
keep that in mind as you're moving through these next few days, even the next week or so, um, where are you not appropriately in the energy of two or duality? Where are you too far to one end or the other, right? Where do you need to come into a balance? All right. Now that's specifically the eclipse, but there are other planets that are influencing uh, this eclipse. They're forming aspects with the sun and the moon um, and between each one another. So we don't want to ignore those because they are important. So for example, when you look at, let me see if I can bring up the chart here. Now I'm going to highlight the whole thing and show you. Actually, I don't even need to do this. I'm going to show you this chart, but then I'm going to show you another one I did. So, oh, wrong sign. Never mind. I'm going to bring up this other chart. Hold on. Let me get it. Uh, I'm going to share my screen. Uh, window. No. A tab. No. Hold on. Let me bring up the graphic there. And now I'll share. It's so tricky to share your screen these days. So many different ways that you can do this. Window. There we go. Boom. Here is the chart of the lunar eclipse. Now, I kind of stripped this down to just the main planets, you know, so you're not going to see all the other things that I normally put in. And this is what we call an event chart because it is drawn up just for the eclipse at the moment of the eclipse, 423 and 50 seconds of East Coast time. So basically 424. And look at this. Look at this whole thing that's in red here. It is opposition time, right? And oppositions were holding the tension of both sides. Now, so the opposite, so the sun over here, and this is Scorpio. This is the symbol for the sun. This is the symbol for Mercury. And the third one up here is the symbol for Mars. And they are all within about six degrees of one another. For those of you who were in my astrology basics class, you know that means they are in a conjunction, right? We consider them a conjunction when they are within six degrees. And there they are, right? So we have a sun, Mercury, and Mars conjunction. And on the other end, we have a moon and Jupiter conjunction in Taurus. So let me see if I can make this a little bit bigger. I'm not sure if everybody can see it clearly. All right. So over here, the sun and Mercury, Mars. On the opposite side, we have the moon and Jupiter. This is Uranus, but he's a little too far out. He's about 10 degrees from Jupiter, more than that from the moon. So we're not counting him. The north node is out of sign. It's in Aries. So we can't really count that either, although you might just say these two, um, the North Node and Uranus, have an influence, but it's minor. It's kind of background influence, okay? So now when we see Mercury conjunct the Sun, this is a sort of enhancement to our communication skills. We already talked about the Sun conjunct Mercury because last week they actually made the exact conjunction the superior conjunction. Remember that it is also a bit of a full moon feeling, right? Where the light is really bright. And we can see because Mercury is on the other side of the sun, we can see more clearly what Mercury's message is coming through the sun because the sun is shining Mercury's light 
to us. And Mercury and the sun in Scorpio are bringing us a message of transformation, a message of change, a message of going through the death and rebirth process, regenerative energy, right? Regenerating something in our lives based on the house it is in, in your own chart. And then we also have Mars in the mix and Mars is the ruler of Scorpio. So Mars in this part of the chart adds a whole lot of energy of action, dynamic action, forward momentum for us. And while Scorpio is a sign of secrets and of the hidden, it might be a lot of action put toward revealing something to you or to us, to the world as a whole, to the collective. Um, it can be a um, the, the exposure of something that has been hidden. You know, one of the things that we talked about two years ago when the eclipse pattern first started happening across Scorpio and Taurus is that it was going to be a time of, to bring up transparency, to become transparent. I don't think we did such a good job of that. <laughs> I'm not sure that if I look back, maybe personally we did, right? Personally, we might have uh, in some ways become more transparent in our motives, in our actions, that type of thing. But if you look at the world as a whole and our big institutions, did transparency really become a thing? I don't know. I don't think so. Now, we still have hope for that because we still have Uranus in Taurus. And Taurus is one of the signs involved with this need for transparency. We have this eclipse still where it might be our um, job as people to demand that we see the secrets, right? That we get these things revealed to us. And isn't it interesting? Lots of different things coming to light, but not everything yet coming to light, but maybe that will still happen. We can also, <clears throat> with the sun and Mercury and Mars all together, become more persuasive, more able to convince people through our speech or through our writing or through our investigations about truth. Now, I don't know if that's a slippery slope or if that's a good one, right? Because people can spin words and make things sound like they're truth when they're not. Right. So interesting thing there. Also a theme for the last several years, indeed, that we have been working through the difference between what's fake news and what's real news um, or, you know, what's truth anymore? What's truth? Right. You know, forget the fact that both sides have an agenda and what what is the real truth? It lies somewhere in between. And that's where our own personal discernment comes in. So your own discernment is your ally in uh, discerning what's right or what is truth, which versus what is false. Now, Mars is also in a very powerful uh, position here because he's also opposing exactly. He's at 11 degrees, 23 minutes of Scorpio, where Jupiter is at 11 degrees, 14 minutes of Taurus. They are in an exact opposition. I love this. Right. I love when when an opposition can really play out in our benefit. Now, of course, like anything else, there's this, the, the downside of it we have to watch for. But when you think about Jupiter and its ability to be expansive and optimistic and to see the bigger picture um, and to follow a path of growth. Right. 
of consciousness evolving and Mars's ability to bring action. What we have is this distinct potential to find a path of growth that we can find the medium road, right? Because we don't want to go all to Mars action and we don't want to go all to Jupiter's over optimistic uh, sense. We want to come down in the middle of optimistic growth, optimistic action, right? Or taking action in a uh, more planned way, perhaps. But I find, I, I really think this is fortunate, although it has the drawback, perhaps, of going too far too fast, taking on too much, biting off more than you can chew. So on one hand, we want to be brave and courageous and take those next steps that are being laid out in front of us. But on the other hand, we want to be a little cautious that we're not overdoing it, that we're not going too far too fast, risking too much. Okay, so we want to find that balance and that harmony. Now, as co of course, because the moon is also in an opposition to Mars, we might still feel, have some of those feelings of um, anger, or conflict or confrontation within us that begins today, right? With the moon in the sign of Aries, a sign that Mars also rules. So Mars is the ruler of the day, if you could say that, which makes me think I need to look and see where Mars is in our uh, human design. And Mars, interestingly enough, is at the gate 44, which is the final uh, gate of the spleen that uh, the, the sun will transit through that gate, uh, all of the planets that move through the spleen. This is the final gate of the spleen. And it's a gate that releases us from the past. So how, how perfect is that, right? Letting go of the past, letting go of what's not working, purging, purging, like letting go, right? Letting it all go. So interesting, the times we're in right now. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that whole word. You know, on one hand, we have binging, and on the other end is purging. And this is not the time to binge. This is the time to purge, right? To let go of the things that aren't serving us. So the lunar eclipse overall in Taurus is a time for us to celebrate the achievements that we have made in the last two years in terms of whatever area of the life it is that it has been sitting for you. And in general, in the way that we have attra attracted resources to us, in the way that we have managed our resources, in the way that we have come to value ourselves or to treat ourselves as valuable, right? Not, not based on what we do, but on who we are, right? Intrinsic value. Also how we have become more worthy and how we can see our value more clearly in terms of who we are not what we do, but who we are. So it's a time to honor our growth and our expansion over these last couple of years, but also being very clear about what the work is that's left to be done for you uh, in order to move forward. Remember, the whole chart I just showed you is about this tension of opposites, and we have to come to the middle with opposites, right, with oppositions. All right. Um, Tom, your hot and cold simile is proper use of duality, which ascends us to triality, which I like that, Tom. That's a great way to say that. Triality meaning three, the number three, right? Bringing in the third uh, leg of something. Uh, conjunction, junction, what's your function? <laughs> I remember that song. 
Uh, okay, Debbie Tippett's two meal, five degrees Taurus eclipse. I'm three degrees. You are in the mix, girl. That means whatever house this is in. And if I remember your chart correctly, Taurus sits on your fifth house. So being creative and joyful and expressing love for your children and family, but also taking some risks, jumping out there in some ways where maybe you've been too um, hesitant to do something creative or to be more creative, being, bringing that out more. So those of you who are born around April 20th to 26th, possibly getting really impacted by this because that's the degrees that uh, were five Taurus, right, at that point in time. Okay, uh, now I wanted to share something else about this eclipse. And first I got to find it. Here we go. I went to the Sabian Symbols website, and all of you can do this, right? It is... Um, Oh, is it sabiansymbols.com or something like that? Just do a search for Sabian symbols and you can get it. And it allows you on the site to put in the degree of the sign. And then it comes back with what the symbol is for that degree of the zodiac. And I put in what five Taurus is. And here is what it is symbolically. A bridge being built across a high, narrow gorge. This symbol speaks of the ability or the necessity of being a bridge for yourself or others in order to link people, things, places, or understanding. People who act like bridges provide a great service for others as they make it possible to overcome limitations and to move forward. To build a bridge takes time, tools, energy, help, and perseverance. Once it is completed, the dangers that it spans are no longer of any real concern, or at least the people can rely on getting across to the other side as there's space that's been made for crossing over. One of your jobs may be to break down barriers between people. Wouldn't that be nice right now? <laughs> Overcoming distance and separation, endeavoring to build continuity, solving problems, bridging emotional, emotional chasms, spanning gaps, going straight ahead and not looking down, taking the long way around to avoid asking for help is more of the negative, using shortcuts to cut across the real issue, avoiding facing up to facts, only seeing risks and not solutions. So interesting, the bridge symbolically showing us the example of the oppositions of these planets, right? It's just fascinating to me. Um, now, in human design, the moon will be sitting at gate 27, which is a gate that sits on the sacral center. And the sacral center is an action center. It's a center for doing, doingness, not necessary. It's beingness too, but doingness, doing and being, <laughs> doing and being on the sacral. And the sacral center gate 27 is about accountability, about responsibility right? Response able. And it connects to the spleen at the gate 50. And the gate 50 is a gate where we can fear failing in our responsibilities to our family, our tribe, or our communities. And in doing so, we overstretch ourselves or over control, or we tend to try to over control, over nurture, or smother mother people ourselves or organizations during that time period, right? That, that something is sitting at that gate. And the 27 on the other side says nurture, yes, feed, clothe, house, 
teach, teach values, but do it in a way that uplifts someone and empowers someone to become accountable for themselves, to be responsible for themselves. So it would seem another theme underlying the eclipse might be about how do we become more accountable ourselves, empowering ourselves to be responsible for our own condition, for our own beingness. And also, how is it that we can nurture others in an appropriate way that helps them be accountable and responsible for their own selves? It's kind of like give a man a fish and you feed him one day. But if you teach a man to fish, then he can feed himself for the rest of his life. Okay, that kind of energy is hidden inside of this particular moon. So lots of stuff there. Uh, Linnea, Linny, good morning to you. She says, this is a great show, Janet, listening intently as I have a Scorpio sun and Taurus moon in my birth chart. So this is impacting you personally, right? In my chart, I don't really have Taurus and uh, I have a Venus uh, in Taurus. I guess it is impacted by this particular moon. I got to think about that now. Um, so, to, and I don't have any planets in Scorpio. So for me, this is really, I do have Neptune in Scorpio. Yikes, I have more going on than I thought. I better take a look at my own chart. Amazing. Um, and, you know, it's everybody's job to understand their, their own path of transformation over these past couple of years. And if you have questions about that, you can certainly reach out for a reading. I'm putting out today a special reading that I'm calling a shadow work reading. It'll be $89, essentially a transit reading, but looking at your chart through what is it that you're transforming in your life? What is the shadow that you are contending with, right? And that would mean that we're really looking into that Taurus Scorpio uh, opposition, um, i.e. partial lunar eclipse, but through the lens of what has that been building you toward for the last two years, right? It might not be so obvious, but through a, a, a session like this, you'll be able to uh, do that. I'll be placing that in Facebook later today for people, and it will go in an email this weekend for everybody. And that'll be good through the end of November. All right. Leslie, finally birthing my book, highlighting my own journey of transforming trauma into triumph. And this Mars-Mercury partnership is the final push. I love it. To write down the nitty gritty, dirty details that make my story uniquely mine. Wow. And I bet this has been a process that's been ongoing for at least two years, if not longer, or one that started seeded as an idea maybe with the first eclipse in Taurus Scorpio two years ago and has just built up steam over this time. Uh, Christine says that makes sense. It resonates to find spleen and sacral at gate 50, Jupiter Scorpio connected to gate 27 and the south node uh, in Taurus important thing for you to understand, right? You know, the beauty of the 27, I think, when we look, when we strip it all down, is that too many times we as individuals, think of yourself as a mother, perhaps, or a father, and how you take on the responsibility of how your kids turn out. And then when things don't go well with your kid, right? Um, we tend to try to make ourselves responsible for all of that. Yet that very clearly takes away from the responsibility and the accountability of, of your, your kid, right? Of your child. And we have to find that balance, right? We all as parents, 
in our lives have tried to do the best that we can to raise responsible adults. And the choices that those adults make are not reflections of us, right? It, it can't be because that takes away the accountability of the other person. So we can see how easy it is to take this energy and turn it into something it's not, right? It can move to that other side, to the gate 50, where we become uber responsible for everything that our family, community, or tribe does. And then that triggers us to want to control them because if I'm going to be the one that's responsible for how well you do, I'm going to micromanage the you know what out of you, which is not appropriate. It is not appropriate to use this energy that way. You teach them the best you can. You instill the values, the, the lessons from life, and you let them go. And you hopefully see that they make their own mistakes, but they come back from those mistakes and they move forward in their own lives. That's the whole purpose of this energy. And by the way, both those gates, the 50 and the 27, are on the um, divine feminine side of your human design. So this is a distinctly feminine energy to uh, impart values and worth and lessons and to teach and to guide and to nurture to the point that a child or person can become accountable, responsible for themselves in a positive way. Very good, right? All right, let's draw some cards before it is time to go. Um, I think because we're still in this Halloween window, I'm going to pull a Halloween card. And uh, there was, oh yeah, this was the other one, my star seeds. We haven't played with the star seeds. Uh, so we're going to start with the Starseed Oracle. It is a deck by Rebecca Campbell, and uh, the art is by Danielle Noel. So let's pull a Starseeds card. Let's get us a bigger, wider lens um, to look through. And I pulled Breath of the Cosmos, My Will to Thy Will micromanaging the universe <laughs> oh my god i can't wait to hear what this is here's the picture of the card i love this cosmic feel right being out amongst the stars perfect right um this is a breath i opened right up to it i love it uh okay when we rely only on our own will we're micromanaging the universe and resisting the natural flow of life we're not trusting the mysterious breath of life. We're rejecting the great cosmic intelligence and relying instead on our personal strength. When we do this, we find ourselves attempting to bend things to our will. We spend our time forcing, pushing, and living from a space of trying to, in quotes. Everyone around us can feel it, and the universe can too. You're being called to stop micromanaging the universe and trust the breath of life to surrender to the greater will that God has for you, to move from my will to thy will. When you surrender to the greater will of life, you begin dancing with the rest of life. When you bow to the great mystery and say, please use me, please show me the way, little by little, you find yourself living your most fulfilling, authentic life. When you surrender your personal will, when you relinquish control and release the way you think things should be and surrender to the greater will, you find yourself being led 
you begin breathing the breath of life, right? So, so fascinating. This card would come up because yesterday, today, I mean, the 27th is the beginning of the Pleiadian Earth Week, and it begins today at one breathing. And breathing energy injects some instability into the world, into our lives even. So trust, surrender in this higher power is huge uh, wisdom for us going into this week. Now, this this deck always has a starseed activation, an action that you can take or something to journal. And here's what it is. It says, place the card on the portal of your heart and whisper the following. Now, you won't have the card unless you have the deck, but you can take a picture in your mind of what this card looks like, place it over your heart or the picture over your heart and say, I'm willing to stop relying on my own strength and personal agenda and instead surrender to the breath of life. Dear God, help me move from my will to thy will. Please lead me. Please show me the way. I love it. I love it. Okay, so that's the breath of life. I think what I'll do is I'll also post this when I post the video so everybody can see that. And now let's look at, I was going to say the seedier side of things, the darker side, perhaps, the more uh, Halloween-ish or transformative, uh, dark, shadow sort of side of things here. And I'm sure we'll get a great card for us in this one. And we get Ancestors. The love and legacy of our DNA. I love this card. Look at that, how the DNA is uh, moving up through the tree, right? Kind of suggesting that life, all life, and it has DNA. Hmm. Okay. And let's see what this card says. All right. And always a little poem with this one. I walk in their footsteps. Their wisdom inside me remains. I am unique, yet carry a legacy. Their blood runs in my veins. Whether or not we know our ancestors, we are the product of those who have lived before us, DNA-wise. Externally, we may have the body type of our father, our mother's eyes, our grandmother's nose, our great-grandfather's skin tone. But on the inside, it gets even more interesting. We now know, we know now that we can inherit the way our body works, blood types, genetic disorders, even propensities for aspects of brain function like introversion, musicality, and mathematics. Many pagan paths associated with Halloween believe that we are born perfectly imperfect to be exactly what we are meant to be. What does that mean? It means that the gifts our ancestors have left us and the unique synergy of the combination of the physical, mental, and the physical that is created within us sets us up perfectly to achieve our ultimate purpose. Should the ancestor card bring itself to your attention, know that you are ready and able to action your birthright of power. You have the support of those who came before you. There may be challenges or struggles, but you have everything you need to overcome them you will prevail thanks to your dna thanks to your ancestors right mm -hmm. all right that is it for me today i will be back here on monday next week i'm actually very busy on air on monday we have our regular morning show on wednesday tam of uh, Astro and Astro Inklings will be with me. So we'll talk about the energies for November. That is actually November 1st. And then late that afternoon, I will be on uh, Annette McCoy's show, Angel Heart Radio, where we're going to talk about specifically 
aspects in astrology because November doesn't have the big wow factor that uh, October and September and other months have had. But what it does have is a lot of aspecting planets. So on that show, we're going to take the time to describe the aspects and what they mean and how to work through them in your own chart. And then, of course, next Friday, I will also be on air. All right, guys, that's it for me today. Thank you so much. Much love to all of you. See you next week. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.